Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. In this episode of Octanon Verba, we hear part two of my interview with William Branham, retired Navy SEAL, leadership expert, and warrior scholar. In part one, William shares how his journey as a retired Navy SEAL led him to embracing adversity and teaching others to do the same. We also explored the internal dialogue of giving up, what your mind really goes through during Hell Week as a Navy SEAL, and how to focus on small victories using his naked mindset method. You can hear part one on episode 78 of Octa Non Verba. And now please enjoy part two of my interview with the incredible William Branham. What do they talk about in the Marines? They talk about the 70% rule because that last 30%, whether it be intel, weather conditions, HVT is left. You don't have the stuff that you were supposed to have. You don't have the support. It doesn't mean that you're going to stop in the middle of it. We have to continue to move through. And right. I think that's where all these things about being naked are so important, about never quitting, about accepting defeat, understanding how to kill mediocrity. What is the E component for naked? The E is expose your fears. And I'm not talking about lions and tigers and bears or snakes and spiders. I'm not a fan of those guys either. It's those fears that live in the deep down back part of your brain. There's that dark place back there in the back of your brain that you don't want to tell anyone about. You don't want to talk about. You don't even want to think about. But when you're alone at night, you're getting ready for bed. Those are the thoughts that come out and like they consume you. You're alone in your car driving along. These are the thoughts that come out. And you're like having these arguments with yourself or with someone that's not there. And it just completely consumes you. And I, I think about fear like a vampire. Vampires, they live in the darkness and they suck the life out of you. Mm. Fear does exactly the same thing. It lives in that deep, dark place in the back of your brain that you don't want to tell anyone about and it sucks the life out of you. And the way that you kill a vampire is you expose it to light, to sunlight. And the way that you kill your fears is you expose them. And there's different kinds of fears. Maybe you were bullied as a kid. You know, you have low self-esteem. Take a jujitsu class. You're going to learn a skill of self-defense. You're going to be forced to fight another human being every day that you go to class, but you're going to learn a skill set and you're going to learn that these people want you to succeed. They want you to get better because that's going to make them better. Now, because you took the opportunity, you expose those fears. Now you have higher self-esteem. You know that you can defend yourself. You know that you can you know, defend your family if you need to. No one is going to bully you anymore. And if they do, you're able to handle that situation. Or maybe you're afraid of public speaking. Take an acting class or a public speaking class. Get in front of your peers that are also there and speak because you're going to find out very quickly that you think that you're going to sound dumb or look dumb or whatever. They actually want you to succeed and get better. They are not there to listen to you to see you fail. They want to see you succeed. And so exposing those fears is you're able to control those fears. And then I also have a friend and he's also a business coach of mine. His name is Sharon Shrivatsa. He says that fear does not exist on paper. So when he has these anxiety events, he's driving in his car and he's like, I need to get control of this. He'll pull over, he'll stop at a Starbucks, he'll go get a cup of coffee, he'll take his pencil and a piece of paper, not your phone or your iPad. 
because there's something mechanical, there's magical, scientific that connects the brain to the arm, to the hand, to that piece of paper. And he'll write out every single thing that is on his mind that is giving him that anxiety. And he'll read it and he'll be like, that's really what was bothering me. So he says, fear does not exist on paper. He just exposed that fear. Now, this isn't like something that you do it one and done. It will take continual effort. You see you know, results the first time, you still go back to that fear. You take action again, you take action again, and you continue to take action. And when you expose those fears, you will learn to control those fears and those fears will no longer control you. And so that's really what that's all about. I love that. I have my clients do the same thing where I call it the adversity scale and I have them put 10 is the worst thing they've ever gone through. The hardest thing is zero is heaven on earth. And they've got the 10, they got the zero. And when they're sitting there, I'm like, okay, really? No bullshit. Where does what you're facing right now that you're afraid of, where is that? And when they're real honest, it's usually like a two or a three. Right. And it, it gives them that perspective. And like you said, when it's on paper, it truly makes us step away from it for a second. Right. We have that objectivity. Detached. Exactly. Yeah. That true detachment. And we can look at it. And now, now that we have this and we're like, oh, yeah, it's not that bad. And now we can go forward with it. And I also talk about like that mindset, that adversity perception that we have. If we perceive it's going to be something that's going to suck and it's going to be terrible, and we're not going to want to do it and it makes us slow down, then what do we do? That breeds hesitation. So every time we face adversity, that's the cycle that we go through. But if we do it the way you were talking about, listen, it can only last so long. On the other side of this thing, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to learn a hell of a lot about myself. And guess what? Now, like you were saying about martial arts, I've done martial arts since I was a boy teaching martial arts, you see these people when they walk with their chest up, they're looking around, they're not scared, they're not right. like with their head on a swivel per se, but now that person has confidence and now that used car salesman doesn't come at them aggressively. Right. Or that family member that used to be kind of you know pushy during the holidays is not nearly as pushy, right. simply because they can see the way that they hold themselves, right. the way that they act, the, the character that they conduct. Amazing, yeah. And it's, it's the difference between not only predator and prey, but sometimes success and failure in everything. And then that just continues to breed to every arena in which they enter. Yeah, 100%. I love that. And what's the D stand for for Naked? The D is do the work. Love it. You know, we live in this world of instant gratification of YouTube and whatever. You can hit a button on your phone and you can have ice cream delivered to your house from Amazon. I can't do that in Hawaii. It'll be melted by the time <laughs> it gets across the ocean. Not yet. I don't have a warehouse here. But, you know, we, we live in this world of just like, you know, instant, like you want it, you just, you get it. Opulence, like I talked about before. But, you know, You've heard the story that Rome wasn't built in a day before it became an empire, but I guarantee you it was built every single day as it was becoming an empire. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. I like the Rome example better. But you know, doing the work is seldom about instant gratification. It's generally about just the daily grind, just getting after it, doing that campaign of like solving the problem of you know going through the steps, going through the failure, because that's all part of it. And you have those small victories and you have those failures and more victories and failures. And you're killing that mediocrity along the way. You're doing that work. Eventually, you're going to get where you want to get. You're going to do what you want to do. But it's not from you know one and done. It's about doing the work, showing up for yourself every single day. And I like to say that you know in SEAL training, I didn't have that attitude. I graduated. I was like, I graduated the hardest military training in the world. It's going to be easy from here. And actually, in the SEAL teams, every person is expected to perform better than they did the day before. It doesn't matter your age, your rank, your whatever, your job, you're expected to perform better than you did the day before. Whether it's 0.0001%, you're not allowed to perform worse than you did. If you do, there's going to be some issues. And so that's why we say that you, know, you earn your trident every single day. Like every day you show up, 
or the easy day was yesterday. Like you had those challenges, those adversities. Well, today is a whole new day. So let's get after it. Those are lessons learned. That was easy. Now today's like new challenges, new adversity. So let's go. And so that's really what doing the work is all about. It's like, it's not instant gratification. It's about, you know, showing up and putting forth the effort every single day, even when you don't feel like it. I don't feel like doing it yeah, we have almost to, every day. I just show up and I do it anyway. We have to create that, like you said, that plan, almost like the dive plan. We have to put it on paper and then just execute against it because adversity doesn't care about how we feel. The weather's never going to be perfect in the military. Frankly, the real thing is this, you're always tired. Mm. And I hear people say, oh, well, I'm tired. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you're always going to be tired. So just assume that that's going to be the case scenario. That is the regular standard operating procedure. Now, on the days when you do get some sleep or you do feel good, that's a nice bonus, but that's the exception. That's not the rule. So if you can just accept that this is always going to be here and still learn to operate within the confines of that. Right. Now, when you get into the civilian sector and you're working on a business or creating a business plan or whatever, you don't get bogged down by these things. You can just say, listen, I have to do the work. And here's what I'm finding in my life even after what I've tried to go through, the answer that I'm always seeking is found in the adversity that I'm avoiding. That's where it always, always is. If you don't have good sales, right. you're not putting in sales or you're not hiring somebody, or you're not willing to do that work. And like you said, you, maybe you did the work yesterday. You have to do it today. You have to choose to do it tomorrow. You have to be willing to find these micro adversities. You have to embrace these things and get stronger from them because frankly, if you're lifting weights, if you're running or if you're having a hard conversation with a spouse, until you accept those things and until you open that up to the light, as you say, it's impossible for us to even realize what the problem is, let alone fix it, let alone grow stronger from it and clean the slate so you can pull that thorn out. And now it's no longer going to just fester and get worse in the process. Yeah. And I think that's like super valuable point that you brought up there. So, you know, this get naked mindset, I didn't ever really put it on paper until I hired a business coach. I actually have a couple business coaches. And, you know, one of them said, Everyone in this mastermind needs to have a signature presentation. And I have never, ever thought anyone cared about what I said or what I thought or anything like that. I'm like, whatever, I'm just a regular guy, a regular Joe. But a lot of that was just fear, like fear of like public speaking, fear of whatever it was, like people are going to judge me. Who cares if they judge me? Tim Grover in his book, Winning, he talks about the id gap, the I don't give a fuck muscle that everyone needs to flex every single day. And so... Once I learned to flex that muscle, it became easier. I was able to create the signature presentation that now I give to organizations, you know, and really it's the get naked mindset that we just talked about. Just really quickly before I forget. So if people want this get naked mindset in like writing, if you go to the website, it's the number five sealsecrets.com, five sealsecrets.com, put your name and email in there and I will email you a Google doc. PDF from my Google Drive, and you can download it, you can share it, you can do whatever you want. But just a, like a quick story about that is I shared it with a, a buddy of mine, and he was having some trouble at work with his CEO. And I was just in Denver a few weeks ago, and I was talking to him. I haven't like seen him for a super long time, but he got this new job. I was super stoked for him. And then they have like VC money coming in. And so he was like, they're under a lot of pressure to produce more. So he had a meeting with the CEO the next day and he went in there and he was like, okay, so I am going to be honest with you. I am afraid that I'm not going to be able to perform at the level you want me to perform. And his CEO was like, whoa, who are you? Why are you being honest? And why are you saying that you're afraid? Right. None of this computes in my brain because no one acts like that. And he's like, well, what I'm saying is like the way you talked to me the other day in front of the team, like to like do all this stuff. 
if you talk to me like that in front of the team, like we can have a man-to-man conversation in closed doors, but don't belittle me in front of like everyone else, because I'm afraid that I won't be able to perform to the level that the expectation that you're setting. I can perform and you hired me because I can perform. But when you talk to me like that, this is you know where I go. And he's like, okay, so why are you saying this to me? He's like, well, my buddy sent me this thing that's five seal secrets and I'm exposing my fear right now. I'm afraid that I won't be able to perform for you. He's like, holy shit. Uh, can you share that document with me? And so I guess he's shared it with a couple other people and I'm hoping to turn that into like, you know, a speaking engagement where I can come in and kind of do a little speaking and some training with that organization at some point. Yeah, you could absolutely make a book out of that easily. You have so much experience with it. You have so much that you could put in there. And that's what's so powerful because in my experience, especially kind of in this industry, there are people that will come up with some superfluous bullshit and make that into something because they have nothing else to give. And then we have people of, of yourself, of your ilk that have this, something that's robust because it's built from something of experience, of real life. And when you can take something and put it into five steps, now it makes it that much easier. Now it makes it, we have this drop down menu when we're in the heat of it. If I can just remember to get naked in this, in this time, right? That's what allows me. And that becomes again, your dive plan, so to speak. Yeah. There are so many things that you've gone through. And I've always thought that adversity was a gift because it makes us level up. It doesn't give us a second choice. There's no other option. And you've talked about a lot of things already. Is there a, a situation that you went through that at the time you didn't think you were going to be able to get through it? But yet when you got to the other side of that adversity, you found a tremendous gift that even at your level of expertise, even at this optimal performance from a human being, you still found something within yourself that you didn't know that was there. Was there anything that comes to mind? I told you the surfing story where I wasn't sure that I was coming home that day. God, yeah. So what I didn't talk about is when I was 15 years old, I was shot while turkey hunting. So I've been shot before. So in combat, I was never super concerned about getting shot. I'm like, fellas, you've been shot. I'm good. Like the probability of me getting shot again is pretty low on the spectrum. But you know, when stuff starts blowing up around you, it's a whole different story. Like you can't control. I'm like, I've never been blown up before. This is not cool. And so we avoided some nights we didn't avoid, but we were lucky when some things were blowing up around us and their EFPs are like just barely missing the vehicle while people are like shooting at you, you know? So I'll just go into the, that particular scenario. So we were going to hit one target in route. We got redirected to go hit another target. We're coming in. So we, you know, do a whole new plan. We're going into the target and there's a big gunfight. The Green Berets are having a gunfight right over here. Lots of explosions. looks really cool. Like kind of like fireworks. And uh, we come around the corner and, and I'm sitting in the back bed of the Humvee. So not all Humvees are created equal. So the ones that we had had, they were like a pickup truck. And so we, we would sit four guys in the back and then we'd also put the prisoners in there as well, kind of sitting on the floor. But they had these sort of like little walls that came up to about mid back that were full armored. Not really. Uh, we shot right through them several times, but we were, we're driving gunfights going on over here. And I look and I see a Iraqi police officer get on his phone as we're like, I'm in like vehicle three or four. I don't remember which. And just sitting in the back and I see him like get on the phone. And I'm like, that's not good. I feel like I should shoot that guy, but I don't really have probable cause or like threat yet. And it wasn't two minutes later. No, it was somewhere between 45 seconds and two minutes. The first explosion went off. Boom. Like five feet away from us. And it was an EFP and it just barely missed us. But because we drive, you know, on night vision, like no one else drives, 
it missed us. And then the second one went off. And now people are shooting at us. We're underneath streetlights. We can't see because you know, our nods are, are whited out. Right. We can't see what's on the darkness outside of the light. And people are shooting at us. And I'm like, this is really bad. This sucks. But it was interesting. It was funny. This was a valuable lesson that the new guy. So there were like in the back of the truck. I was a, a senior chief. And there were two other chiefs, E7s in the back of the truck. And uh, E5, maybe. He was, this was his second deployment. He was a new guy on, on our last deployment. And he's like, so uh, after the second explosion, he's like, so uh, what do you guys think about getting lower in the back of the truck? Like the other three of us were like all like Matt bravado and like, you can't hurt us, but I'm scared. <laughs> um, and then he's like, what do you guys think about? We're all just like, yes. And we all like kind of got down super low and we're looking for you know people who are shooting at us, but we can't see them. So that was, it wasn't complacency that potentially could have killed us. It was ego that potentially could have killed us. So that's, you know, compete against that ego, you know, when to use it, good ego and bad ego. Well, that humility is so important, like you said, and so many times in, in the world, it's hard for us sometimes to accept truth irrespective of source. So like you said, you have this E5, you know, he's the new guy, he's the FNG, right? Yeah. Well, of course he wants to get low, but like you said, even within the heat of battle, you were like, actually, you know what? That's yeah, kind of a smart idea. He was brave enough to say that out loud. I was like, well, that was super valuable. Like that took courage. That absolutely did. They're like, hey, leaders, uh, what do you guys think about getting lower? Yeah, George, that's a fucking super <laughs> smart thing. <laughs> let's, to do. let's get tactical here. <laughs> <laughs> and then tell us about the impetus of getting naked, of the Naked Warrior Recovery, your company. What do you provide? Tell us all about the things with that. So like I talked about in the beginning of the podcast, you know, CBD was a modality that helped me kind of turn that noise down because I was really like struggling. I was drinking myself to sleep every night because I had all this noise in my head, all this baggage. And so also part of what Get Naked is, is about taking your ego off and setting it in the corner. We wear our ego around like, like it's armor. We go into combat, we put our body armor on. It saves our life sometimes. Sometimes we don't need it. We come back from combat and we put it away and we, you know, we get naked, we take that armor off and we are completely exposed and we hit the showers and then we get ready for the next mission. We don't do that in life. Maybe we've been like attacked and I use air quotes here by, you know, some toxic relationships, someone at work, you know, family members, the media, whatever it is. And we just feel like we're just under attack all the time because pain is cumulative. If I were to like tap you in the arm, you know, a bunch of times you're going to be like, yeah, why are you tapping me? Like no big deal. After a few hours, that's going to start to hurt. After about a week, there's going to be a big bruise there. And pretty soon I can stop tapping you. And maybe like, you know, you're putting your shirt on and it like hits the arm just like, um, like in pain again. And so that's the way that we, you know, all this baggage people like, you know, I don't call it PTSD or anything else because we all have our own baggage. You know, sometimes it's crap that we put in our own bag and sometimes other people are putting it in our bag and we're like, putting it on and carrying it around and we never take it off. So part of get naked is take it off. But that's kind of what CBD helped me to do. It was the modality that helped me like turn down that noise so that I could control that noise and my own self-talk. And so from that, I started Naked Warrior Recovery and the Naked Warrior is the predecessor to today's Navy SEAL. If you've ever seen the movie Saving Private Ryan, prior to that assault, you know, that first 20 minutes of just pure combat, the Navy went out and they requested, you know, volunteers that were good at demo and they could swim. And so what these guys did is they devised a plan. They got in these little rubber boats off the big Navy ships. They went into the beaches of Normandy prior to the assault 
and they did reconnaissance. They figured out what fighting positions were on land, what obstacles were on land, and then they crawled back into the water and they did a hydrographic reconnaissance. So they were like a 25 yards apart in the water. They had, you know, basically a slate that was kind of a grid around their neck. They had a rock that had attached to a string that was, you know, knots every six feet so they could measure the depth of the water. They would get in line. They would measure the depth of the water, mark it on their slate. They would dive underwater, swim about 25 yards, looking for obstacles coming up, marking obstacles if they found obstacles, and then would go back to the ship, create this big chart. You know, this was over, you know, several weeks of reconnaissance. They would go back to the ship, create the chart, and that was the battle plan for going into Normandy. And then a few hours before the actual assault, these guys would go back in. They put demolition charges on all the obstacles on the beaches, blue Constantina wire obstacles in the water and then blew it like as the assault force is coming in. So then they decommissioned that unit. And then there was like similar events in the island campaign of the Pacific where, you know, the Marines are coming ashore, you know, to take this island back over. They were hitting these barrier reefs. They're running off thinking they're in three feet of water. And then they drowned, you know, wearing 60 pounds of gear on the other side and they fall into like 30 feet of water on the other side of the reef. And so they recommissioned these teams. And basically these guys are going in, they're doing their hydro reconnaissance. They're doing all this stuff. But they're wearing pretty much just like, you know, swim trunks, a mask, fin. they were basically naked. And so they called them the naked warrior. And so eventually they became underwater demolition team. And then in 1962, JFK commissioned them to become U.S. Navy SEALs. So the naked warrior is a little bit of history for, you know, my heritage as a SEAL. So it's a hat nod to that, but it's also about we're all warriors in our own life. We all compete. We all go into combat in some way. And so part of that is like, you know, the get naked mindset to go in and take your ego off when you don't need to have it. And so that was the essence of my CBD company. And so what we have, we have a, you know, a line of products from, you know, mostly we focus on broad spectrum products. So there are three main categories of CBD. One is a full spectrum, which has, you know, all the minor cannabinoids and terpenes from the hemp plant that includes, you know, a small amount of THC. Then you have a CBD isolate where they just isolate that molecule CBD. And I believe that's really the lowest quality CBD out there. You know, if you go on Amazon and type in CBD, you'll see like 45,000 milligrams of hemp oil. You don't know what you're getting. Maybe you're getting like, you know, it's the lowest quality product out there. And then what we carry primarily is a broad spectrum product. So you're still getting almost all of those 120 minor cannabinoids and terpenes that work synergistically with the body. But we remove that THC molecule because many people, they either have a, an aversion to THC or they are concerned about drug testing. So I currently also have a, I do some W-2 contract work for the government. You know, I still maintain my top secret clearance and I get drug tested regularly. I take a lot of CBD. So I want to have that option for people who have those concerns that they don't want the THC. I also have one product that is a full spectrum product. So it has that small amount of THC. I take that as well. I don't have any issues with drug testing, but it's out there. So we have, you know, you know, your tincture that everyone else has. You put it under your tongue, we'll squirt it under there. I've got soft gels. Uh, I have a sleep formula that I really like a lot. And it has 25 milligrams of CBD. It's got three milligrams of melatonin and three milligrams of CBN, which is really the sedative molecule of the hemp plant. Oh. And I take generally two a night, about an hour, because what happens to me is I'll be up late. I'll either working on something or being stupid, like watching YouTube and like, oh, get sucked into the next thing and the next thing. And I'm like, I get tired and then I push through it. And now I'm up until one or two o'clock in the morning being stupid. When I take that product, our sleep product, 
I get tired and I can never pull myself out of it. And so eventually I just take my dumb ass to bed. So it's been a game changer for me. We've got some topicals. Uh, I've got some super greens that don't have CBD in them. I have some gummies and I also have an energy drink. And the energy drink, it's got about 12 and a half milligrams of CBD. It's got 75 milligrams of caffeine. It's got some other, you know, good stuff in there. But what I do is I, the way I use it as I have this, you've seen me drink out of this yes, today. It's, yeah, yeah. it's a half gallon hydro flask. And I made a kind of a commitment to myself. I don't do new year's resolutions so much, but like, I think it was like in February, I was like, I need to start. Like people say that a gallon of water a day is what you should probably do. And so I do two of these a day. I put a, you know, a packet of the energy drink, ice and water, and I finish that. And then I do a second one, like sometime after lunch. And so that's how I get my, my water in. But anyway, yeah, those are most of the products that we have. I've also got some apparel, you know, that says get naked. So, but yeah. I love that. And you also mentioned when I was doing research on you, you were saying how initially when you started looking in this arena, there was not much quality. And frankly, even the stuff that you would test would have even like negligible amounts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I started getting into this, you know, my sort of the story was I, someone gave me a bottle and I like to say water boils at 212 degrees. Well, I was probably living at like 210 degrees. And I didn't notice it like right away. I didn't notice like, you know, fairies and unicorns and rainbows and sparkles and stuff when I took it, you know, I took it. And when I finished it is when I kind of like did like a self-assessment, I'm like, was there anything that really happened? And what I noticed is like, I went from like 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190, maybe 185. And what happened is my fuse just got longer. Like those triggers that would set me off, it would take longer or more of them to like hit that boiling point. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I also noticed that the canes in my body, I'm 100% disabled through the VA. You know, I got some stuff going on that they were just less bad. Like they're not gone. They're still there. They're just like not stabbing me anymore. They're just like more dull. So, you know, easier. And I stopped taking, you know, I ran out of that bottle because it's expensive. And then I started getting closer to that boiling point again. And so I tried a different brand and I had similar results. And I was at a business conference and I, I'm like super interested in CBD and I'm like looking for people in the industry. And I met a girl that they're putting CBD into like kinesiology tape and they're trying to figure out how to market it. And I was like, Hey, you're the CBD girl. Like I tracked her down. Like, and I'm like, I really, I wanted her to hire me and like work for her and like whatever, because I was, you know, kind of financially not doing awesome as well. And she's like, why don't you start your own company? I'm like, I don't know how to start a CBD company. She was like, you're a Navy SEAL. Go figure it out. Figure it out, fella. Damn it. Damn it. How dare you? That's my own arrow. So so she gave me my man card back and then kind of gave me a little education. And as I started researching the industry, I found that it was incredibly dirty. I mean, it's only been legal since federally as of December 20th of 2018. So it's a super new market, super new industry. And and when it became legal, there was this rush of like, get rich quick, wild west. And the FDA has gone out and it's still pretty dirty. It's starting to clean up. But uh, the FDA has gone out and they've done many, many spot checks and they found over thousands of companies at this point. And they found that most products either didn't have CBD in them. They didn't have the CBD they said they had in them. They had high levels of THC above that 0.3% legal range, you know, because it came from marijuana, not from hemp. They had heavy metals, toxins, uh, mercury, arsenic, lead, things like that. It's because hemp is a bioaccumulator. That means it pulls all the good stuff out of the soil, but it pulls all the bad stuff out of the soil. I mean, it's such a powerful bioaccumulator that they're using hemp at Chernobyl to clean the radiation out of the soil. 
so they can maybe go back and repopulate that area one day. You do not want any Chernobyl CBD. I, don't <laughs> I would say no. probably not going to be good for you. I don't think that would be a way to go. So, so what I did is I went out as I'm doing this research and I found the, you know, the highest quality suppliers that I could partner with. And so I partnered with them. I still am looking for quality. Like I want to do quality over quantity every day of the week. Yes. And so I haven't found anyone that is higher quality. And you can look at the biggest names in CBD out there. And they don't go to the links to have the quality that we have. They'll extract the oil. They'll test the oil at an independent third-party lab. We do that. And then they turn it into a product, whether it's a gummy, a tincture, a topical or whatever. They don't test the product again. We test it in the beginning. And then once you have that final product, we test it again to make sure there was no contamination during the manufacturing process. So that's really one of the things that helps us stand out above everyone else is really the quality. And we QR code everything to make sure that you can like look and see the independent third-party lab results of the product that you're purchasing, that you're you know consuming. And what is the website where we can grab these products? That would be at nw-recovery.com, or you can type in nakedwarriorrecovery, all one word.com. That was my original website, but then I thought, well, maybe people don't want to write naked into their search engine. Yeah. So uh, that's why I made it nw-recovery. If you don't put the dash in there, you're going to go to Northwest Recovery, which is like an alcohol rehab something. So it's a dash, NW-recovery. Yeah. I love everything that we've talked about. And I want to be respectful of your time. I was going to ask you just one more thing and then let you get on with the rest of your day. You were talking about re- the transitions. You were talking about the importance of that. And it's the same thing in martial arts. If I'm in jujitsu, when the person's transitioning to escape, that's when I have the opportunity. If I'm transitioning from a weapon to a blade or to anything else. That if I can be smooth in that, that can be my operation to split the difference and actually get there quicker. There's a lot of people right now that are in transition, whether it be a veteran transitioning into the civilian sector, a person that's transitioning from a job that they've been fired from, um, transitioning to working at home. Is there any tips or tools that you could give people to, to give them to transition maybe a little bit more seamlessly in this time of chaos? I would say make a plan, you know, create a plan. What do you, what do you think it looks like? you know, kind of that commander's intent. Yes. What do you think the end state is going to look like? Build a plan around that and then practice the plan. Like one of the things, you know, I say that, you know, my transition from being in the military to civilian life is the hardest military mission I've ever been on. And I'm still on that. And I've talked to so many veterans that have that same exact sentiment. Like, how do I, I don't know where I am. Like, I don't have purpose mission anymore. So make a plan. I had kind of a plan, but I didn't practice it. And I certainly didn't execute it as violently as I should. So it, it was to start a consulting company and some other stuff. I still have it. I still do a little bit of work in that arena, but I didn't practice the plan. I didn't do the dirt dive. I didn't do what ifs. I didn't do the contingencies. So you know, create that plan, whatever it is, do the contingencies, You know, look at contingent, what can go wrong. And if that this goes wrong, what would I do to fix that? And, you know, as you practice those transitions, it's like you're talking from weapon to knife or, you know, in jujitsu or in, in whatever it is going, you know, from, from your house, from your car and in, into your house, like what is the, what could possibly go wrong? How can I do it the most efficiently? Like my daughter, for example, eight years old, I take her to school in the morning and she likes to climb into the truck with her backpack still on her back. And then she's like getting it off. And there's not a lot of room in the back of a Toyota Tacoma. And so I'm like, Take your backpack off outside, set it in the floor, climb up, and you're strapped in. It's just like the transition from outside the car to inside the car. And she doesn't like to do it the way I tell her to do always. But when she does, like it's just like seamless and smooth. 
but it's finding those efficiencies. And, you know, I have that because I've been around for a lot longer than she has. And I'm thinking about those transition points, like always looking at those transition points. And so if there could possibly be something where there's going to be a major life event, you know, again, having a kid, buying a house, losing a job, getting a new job, transition from the military, whatever it is, having that some kind of a plan that you've thought through that will help you get through those transition points a lot smoother. That's so important. And just like you said earlier in the interview, fear cannot exist on paper. So by writing these things out on a plan, you hash out all these contingencies, you look at what the counter options are, and now you at least have an idea. The reality is we don't have the luxury of being philosophical in the heat of adversity. So if I'm hoping that I'm going to figure it out when the adrenaline dumps into my body, I'm choosing to lose. And if, right. if what I'm doing is important or if it affects my family or the people that I work with or my company, then I do not, I don't want to do that. I'm literally choosing to fail. So if we can take that kind of responsibility and accountability now, that gives us all the opportunities to win in the future. Right. Yeah. Create that plan and then practice the plan. I love it. Do that dirt dive. Yeah. Do that rock drill, whatever you want to call it. So powerful. William, fivesealsecrets.com, nw slash recovery.com. We can learn more about you there. We can learn more about what you have on social media, on Instagram. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, sir. If you can hear us right now, go back and listen to this again. Take notes. The material that he's giving you is literally hard earned. And the reality is we don't respect what we don't pay for or earn in some capacity. And William has truly earned this the hard way. So learn lessons from his life so that you don't have to go through it. It's going to put you way ahead of the, of the competition and whatever adversary you face. Awesome. Thank you for being here, dude, brother. Thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Okta Nonverba inner circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.